Hey everyone, welcome to the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Reed. So I hope everyone is staying safe and sane in this new normal. I have been working from home for, this is the beginning of week five for me, for me in our new normal of the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. I'm mostly staying inside, which is great for me. It really doesn't bother me, um, you know, to not be able to socialize any differently or interact with people in a different way. I'm okay. You know what I mean? I'm really okay with it. Um, and I don't feel like, you know, that's going to change anytime soon as far as how I'm feeling, how much longer we'll be doing this self-distancing, self-quarantining, you know, I don't know. But for me, mentally, I'm handling it very, very well. I did have some anxiety early on, but that was more on me putting a lot of pressure on myself to try to, you know, make the most of the day and get certain things done. And, you know, now's my time to do all these things I've ever wanted to do. And let me reorganize this and let me redecorate that. And I just really tried to do too much um, instead of just really uh, relaxing and self-caring. And so now once I started doing that, you know, mentally, I was uh, really, really good. Um, so I kind of go outside to walk my dogs and that's about it. I even feel like when I'm running, I'm interacting with too many people, even though where I live, there's not a lot of people walking around, um, but still it's a little bit too much to me for me. I don't want to take any chances. I have been doing a lot of cooking and what I've been doing is cooking in bulk, which has been interesting. You know, I make these, if I would make something in ordinary size, I'll either double it or triple it. Um, and then I put a lot of stuff in the freezer. So like collard greens and chili and different vegetables and soups. Um, you know, all that stuff is going into the freezer. And then what I'm cooking and eating day of is the, um, the purple carrot deliveries that I get. Let me tell you, and this is not a, a paid uh, endorsement kind of thing. I, I love purple carrot. And there are other vegan delivery services out there that I haven't tried. I did my homework. I did a little bit of research on the different ones that were out there and purple carrot was the one that spoke to me the most and I have not regretted it. I um, get three meals uh, big enough for two people. So three meals a week. They come, The box comes every Monday and they have been consistent throughout this whole pandemic and they told us that our delivery dates may change or what you get, items that you get, because what they do is Purple Carrot gives you, um, you know, the ingredients to make a certain dish. So if something calls for a tomato and, and onions and things, you know, instead of you having to go out and get several tomatoes or several onions or a, a box of brown rice, they give you exactly what you need for that serving, um, which is really great. And so I've been doing a lot of cooking and I, um, you know, I haven't spent a lot of time going to the grocery store. I don't go to the grocery store, um, but I do a lot of delivery, purple carrot and just grocery delivery. I did make a run to my favorite grocery store in Manhattan, in New York, and it is um, called Orchard Grocer. And it's a really, really small grocery store, vegan, all vegan grocery store. And they have uh, a lot of those things that you won't find in your regular, regular grocery store, even a Trader Joe's or a Whole Foods. But they really have, um, you know, a great selection 
of things that you need for your kitchen. And I just want to, I'm looking up their website. Okay, so it's Orchard Grocer, um, Orchard, G-R-O-C-E-R.com. And I love them. So I had this experience where, you know, I called them to make sure that they were open in the midst of everything. And they were basically going to close for business. So they had everything on discount and they, you could come and shop by appointment. And I really didn't know what to expect. I had been there before, but never under these circumstances. And when I got there, I realized that they, they were doing one customer at a time. And so you go in, you, they had hand sanitizer and gloves there for you to use while you were walking around the store. Um, and the, when you go in, they basically leave you, they go in the back, the people who work there while you shop and you can bag up your own groceries. And then that is that, and everything was on serious discount. I mean, I, because again, they were trying to set up to close, but what I found out uh, weeks later after that experience was now they're doing delivery. Um, they announced on their website that they're doing delivery and you can go there and shop. Um, I don't know if it's still by appointment. I haven't uh, been back because I really did stock up when I went there, but I am probably, oh, excuse me. I am probably going to go back soon just because I love that grocery store. They also have a deli there. Um, so when they are in business, they have, you know, great breakfast sandwiches and other deli sandwiches, all vegan. Um, and I love it so much. And it's right next door to a vegan shoe store, Moo Shoes. So it's really fun to go there if you live in Manhattan or if you are visiting Manhattan and you love vegan experiences, uh, I would make my way to Orchard Grocer. I, I love it so much. And um, so my guest for today is really, she has such a great story. You know, she says that being vegan played a major role in keeping her alive. Her name is Helen Collins, and she says she almost died while giving birth. Her story is incredible, and Helen joins me next. So here we go. I'm so excited to have this woman on the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast. She is, I, I got my notes here, Helen. She yep. is a photographer, a stylist, a designer, an all-around artist, a mother, a wife, and a vegan. Helen Collin is here with us. And I do have to mention that you are the wife of Def Leppard guitarist, Phil Collin. Welcome to this Vegan Sexy Cool podcast, Helen. Thank you. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love, and there's so many things that I want to talk to you about, but we're going to try to get it all in before my dogs start barking or before okay. your comes upstairs saying, mama, mama, mama. <laughs> we'll work it out. We're going to work it out. But let me first start with the whole uh, veganism, because I know you were vegetarian. You've been vegetarian for a long time, or you were vegetarian. Your husband is a vegan. You guys married, what, in 2010? Yeah, but you know, actually, the truth is that um, when I met him, I was a meat eater, which, you know, was fine, but I, you know, here's the thing. So starving artist, whatever you want to call it, I was a costume designer, you know, working in theater right. I moved from New York down to Maryland. So I was, um, I was in the union in New York. I transferred that to Baltimore. So I was down there working in the union houses. And then I tr also was working in DC at the Kennedy Center. So in doing that, you know, um, you're in the theater all day. So eating is running to the store and getting the quickest thing you can. So I already was kind of like in salad mode, less meat. So right. when I met Phil in 2000 and 
2008 for the first time, but then 2009, I started um, working for Live Nation and I became a VIP host for uh, Def Leppard. Um, as our friendship grew, and then it turned into, you know, a uh, marriage proposal and me going, uh, oh, okay, okay, yeah, sure. You know, and you're thinking about all those emotional things. But then I remember one day when I was in Baltimore by myself, I said, whoa, wait a minute. Not only was it a matter of, I didn't expect to ever get married. So that was something else. I basically was in a position where I was looking at my life in one place and mm -hmm. having to so I was dealing with that and then one night it hit me and I said you know what because I was raised on my grandmother's Jesus so I'm that girl okay. and in the word it says you know you have to have your lifestyle as the wife follow your husband and I said well I don't think I'm going to be in his home making steak or fried chicken so I had a talk with him and said I will give up you know, eating meat, because if we're going to get married, that is the Proverbs 31 thing to do, you know. So I basically put myself in a position of the things that I would align, not sacrifice or give up, but align myself with my husband. Mm. So he had already been a vegetarian for 40 plus years. So I said, well, we'll get married and that's what I'm going to do. Six years, well, maybe, not even six years, maybe four years into the marriage, we were talking with some friends who were vegan and then they were like, you should watch Forks Over Knives. And we were like, okay, we'll watch it in the China study and you know, all that stuff. So we were like, okay. And we were sitting there watching Forks Over Knives and Phil goes, I'm going vegan. And I'm like, okay, okay, wait a minute, because I like cheese. And you told me you're you vegetarian, and that was cool. But then it began this thing we're dealing with health, and we're looking at this thing. And I said to him, I said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to join you in a year. I'm going to hang to the team, you know. Right. And then. He turned immediately, and in a year's time, then I flipped over. So he's been vegan a year longer than me. So at this point, I think he's been vegan for seven years, and I've been vegan for six. And yeah. that's how it, it was a rollover. So initially, it was me aligning myself with my husband, and then it turned into a total awareness and understanding and going, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then after that, it was easy. It was easy. You know? Yeah. What kind of difference did you, let's start with the going from a meat eater, meat eater to a vegetarian. What kind of changes did you notice in your body, in your awareness of foods and flavors and things like that once you so, make that transition? Gotcha. Okay. Well, when, here's, here's the good thing. Um, I had always been, um, by the grace of God, I had always been um, healthy and active. Yeah. So from the time I was a child and then, you know, the playing turned into roller skating, turned into roller skating every weekend at Empire Roller Disco in Brooklyn, turned into competition cheerleading in high school, turned into, you know, but then that turned into, um, you know, costume design, which turns into theater and dressing. And so when you know, as a wardrobe person, you are getting it, you know, you got on sneakers, you know, your fanny pack and you make it happen. So I was always leading an active lifestyle. So I didn't deal with any health problems. When I changed 
over into vegetarianism, it was almost just the removal of just this product of meat, which for what it was worth, I was already eating like tons of salads. Yeah. So I, I didn't have this rude awakening of, oh my goodness, my body's healthy. Because because of what I had chosen to do for a living, I had to be healthy because you'd get a call and my answer was always, yes, I can do it. Yeah. So if I'm constantly saying, yes, then I have to be fit. So I was already in the mode of taking care of myself. When I removed the meat from my diet, um, my lifestyle, and everyone's not like this because you can see you know, definite changes and stuff. It, my lifestyle, it was able to pick up even more, I guess. The, no, the changes I noticed in my body, if I may be uh, blunt, Please. Um, my functions were faster my and, and, and cleaner. And I was able to, you know what I mean? I was like able to then literally have my body go, if you put this in, this is what's going to happen. You know, because I was able to decipher more clearly. Yeah. Because of uh, removing the meat. I didn't feel heavy in my gut sometimes, like where... You know, it's Thanksgiving and you go into your aunt's house and you're having four plates, you know, because I'm the eater. Everybody knows Helen eats. They look at me and goes, she ain't nothing but a little bit, but she can eat. Right. So it was the heaviness that disappeared out of my gut. Mm-hmm. It was the, um, I think my, my, my skin was always cool. People always go, she got pretty skin, yeah. you know, but um I didn't have any more breakouts because my skin has always been clear, but I get that one pimple, you know, get it here, you know, or here, not even a place where you could play it off and be like, I'm going to just head wrap that. It just just below the head wrap. You know what I mean? So it was that type of thing. Um, My breakout stopped, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you see things like that happen, then you get in deeper and go, Oh, okay, let me check this out. But then it became, um, something where food also became my medicine because it wasn't before. Mm. So, you know, I began to eat as a means of um, taking care of myself. Right. You know, and here's something that happened because I do wear glasses. I have astigmatism in both eyes. And when I went to the eye doctor uh, several years ago, I remember she said to me, "Um, this, uh, uh, this left eye, the vision is getting better, which normally doesn't happen. It either stays steady or slowly progresses to worse. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, um, there's an abundance of vitamin K. It seems like, you know, it could be in your system. She said, are you, what are you doing for that? And I said, I'm not doing anything. I just love kale. You know, I was always a collard greens girl. You know, dark leafy green vegetables have an abundance of vitamin K. And I didn't know by putting that in my body, I was helping something I needed. You know what I mean? Which I side. So it's these little subtle changes that you notice. Maybe no one else will because you'll look the same. Yeah. But it makes you more in tune with your body. And so that's probably what I could tell you I noticed. You know, the small subtle changes that mattered. And so going from vegetarian to vegan, would you say that that was more of a mental, you know, because of the forks over knives and I know Phil went first, but yes. it, you know, and after you, you did that year of preparedness, yes. Yes. 
were you all on board and what was that transition like for you? How did that open you up to just consciousness, you know, awareness of the world because of why? Oh, you I was reading like crazy. I right? was reading everything, you know, and then because it, here's the thing, when we went vegan, it seemed like everything opened up and then you meet these people. And, you know, we have friends who, you know, they've written books. Um, there's a friend of Phil's, his name is James Wilkes. And he did this film on Netflix called The Game Changers. But I love we that met him. Yes. We had, we had dinner with James and Moby was there. Like all these people. And you go, you're vegan. So it's a world that opens up and you go, the, it's like the vegans have a little club. I'm not saying it in kind of a pretentious moi type of thing. But no, no, no. there's this club of understanding and needing the body to be great and to downplay the propaganda that comes out with the other thing because right. they literally will say remember back in the day it was like veganism and vegetarianism wasn't for a real man it was for you know a hippie or it was this thing so james wilkes, yeah yes james james right so james wilkes was brilliant because he in the game changers shows you you know these people in sports and bodybuilders and you know so he and phil really bonded because phil does like uh muay thai and jiu-jitsu and he's got like he downplays it but like he's like a yeah type of dude you know what i mean <laughs> he, he will kick you in the face you know but he um he, he when he got with james and they began to talk about the body and all of this stuff that's the beauty of it when you begin to see that open up for me it wasn't a big deal to change because I already, in watching Forks Over Knives, I was just like, man, you know, this is serious. This is like, you, you know, this is real deal. But the other thing is, and I have to put it on the table, I'm a foodie. Everybody that knows me, I'm a flavor type of girl. So yes. I, I had, before I switched over to being a vegetarian, because um, most of my friends are artists. And they're either singing or writing poetry. I used to write poetry. Girl, I did it all. You name it, I was doing it. So I knew all of these people, and a lot of them were vegetarian. But while they were talking to me about vegetarianism or if I was going to the bodega to go get my, you know, turkey hoagie or whatever, you know, I was doing what I was doing, they'd be telling me stuff. And then I'd look at them and be like, okay, you got breakouts. Your teeth, not really all that. And body-wise, if someone's telling you to do something, but you're more fit than them, why would you change what you're doing? So I was in a position where sometimes I'd be like, I'm a, I, I feel like, you know, I'm okay, yeah. you know? So what ended up happening was I didn't change. Only when I met my husband and then was like, okay, I'll align myself. But then he's 10 years older than me. He's fit as a fiddle. You know, and then I began to meet people where I was like, whoa, she's amazing. How old is she? Yeah. You know, it was that. Because as you go up in age, when we're young, youth is wasted on the young. You know that. Mm -hmm. You know, running around, doing everything. You're like, oh, I got a pimple. I'm going to bust it. You know, like, you know, like, <laughs> like a mark. You know, you become an esthetician. It's like, I got the tools. I mean, you know. <laughs> But when you get older, you'd be like, oh, I need to put something on that. Like that's yeah. You know what I mean? You begin to deal with yourself differently. And yeah. even so the body, you know, where you, it's that one day you wake up and your knees remind you that you're not 20. And you'd be like, oh, oh. So when I started getting to, into really dealing with vegetarianism and, and veganism, I noticed that the aches and pains were going away yeah. as well. 
Yeah. I because there was no acid in my body to and inflammation and inflammation to promote that type of pain. So it's those things. And so that's when I was like, okay, this is real. I'm looking at people around me who are living this lifestyle and I love what I see. Yeah. And so that made it very, the transition was smooth. And then even, you know, to this day, back to the foodie thing, I was like, right, right I give up cheese. What's that taste like? Oh, that's good. You know? So then it was like, then they had the Beyond Burgers, the Impossible Burgers, you know, stuff like that. So today when I meet people and I say I'm vegan and they're like, yeah, I couldn't do that. And I'm like, but you're not missing anything. Mm-hmm. Don't give in to the propaganda of you have to eat a dirt smoothie, you know, <laughs> and a flour sandwich. Like it doesn't work that way. You know what right. I mean? There's a whole world open to you. And, you know, there are cultures based on, you know, um, veganism and vegetarianism. My husband and I, we go to Indian restaurants and we chow down. Right, you know, so many options. Yeah, we just found a, a restaurant. Um, we go to Veggie Grill, which is really cool out here. And one of the guys working there was like, oh, this spot just opened up. It's a burger joint called Nice Guys and it's 100% vegan. We were like, really? We went the next day. We were up in there like, okay, this is a cheat day. <laughs> and uh, we call them cheat days because normally we, we do, you know, the J.J. Smith's, you know, smoothie cleanse. You know, we do all of that stuff. So when we have cheat days, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. So yeah. we go in and we went there. I think he had like a, the double decker burger with, you know, the cheese and all that, you know, all vegan. And then I had something, I think the Cali burger and had avocado smashed on it with like the special sauce and sweet potato fries. You know, we went in, but we sat there looking at each other going, this is what people think they're missing. Yeah. They're not missing it. And, you know, the fast food restaurants are a testament to that because they are joining the train by implementing their own vegan type meals. You know, Burger King is getting either the impossible or the beyond burger, you know, so they see that there is a, there's a new food revolution going on. There's a vegan food revolution going on. You know what I'm saying? And so we raised our son vegan. My son has never had meat or dairy. He's, you know, Jackson, he's going to be two in May. And nice and healthy, right? People think that you cannot raise a child on a vegan diet. Talk about that. Was that a tough choice for you guys? No, his nickname is Bam Bam. Like he's ridiculously strong, you know, like, he can put like he can pick up. He goes in the gym and we go, Jackson, put that down. He's just picking up like a five pound weight, like with both hands. We're like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's heavy. And he's like acting like he's working out. And if you put him on like a bar and hold him, he's pulling himself up. You know, uh, he's very, he's very strong. He's incredibly intelligent. He loves avocado, which is the brain food, good fat. You know, and so. It wasn't hard at all. As a matter of fact, it wasn't even a decision. It was an expectation. Wow. Yes. So, I love yes. that. I want yes. to talk a little bit more about how Jackson came to be because um, it was a very difficult uh, childbirth situation for you, delivery. And correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I understand, you actually died during delivery and they, they revived you. Is that true, Helen? So it was actually, my, my pregnancy itself was problem-free. Mm. I didn't even get morning sickness. The only way you knew I was pregnant 
was if I had my back to you and I turned around and you would be like, oh, <laughs> all good. I didn't have any problems sleeping. You know, I paid attention to the, when you get to a certain month and you're on your back and I got the little pillow and I was like, this is awesome, you know? And all the way to the day when my water broke, it was just like, I was like, oh, my godmother Debbie was freaking out. I was like, I'm, we were in a restaurant. I was like, I'm going to go home and change my leggings. You know what I mean? Like, it was cool. Everything was cool. You yeah. know, you meet my friends, like people who really know me, you know, because there are right. people who say they know me now. People who really know me, they'd be like, hell, it's cool. She's, you know, if I freak out, there's a reason, you know. So I was chill. We get to the hospital. I remember they, you know, put me in a wheelchair. And I remember going in the room. It was at Mission Hospital. Um, and I remember saying, this is a beautiful room. That's all I remember. Mm. My next thing that I remember was, as I've been told, seven days later, and I heard the doctor say in a haze, you have to cough. And I remember immediately understanding in that haze what that meant because um, my grandmother raised me from birth. She brought me home to the hospital. She was my mother and my father. She passed away March 4th, 2015. It's my boo. And when she went into the hospital for like a stint in her heart, everything went fine. But when they began to take out the breathing tube, um, her body couldn't handle the stress of the tube being removed and she had a stroke. And that took her. I was there, held her hand, it was wonderful. But when he said you have to cough, I was on that intubated mechanism. Right. And that's because if you have those several days of inaction within the body, if you have a few hours of inaction within the body, um, that basically means that, because I got put in a coma for five days. So when they were taking the tube out and bringing me out of the coma, um, nothing had been moving around. When you go, <clears throat> bacteria is able to, you know, get out. Yeah. And the cough helps that. So my head went back to my grandmother in that haze. And I remember I didn't want to go yet. Yeah. Something had happened spectacular and I had to cough. And that's what I did. I have been told this and then I've seen video. So the birth was an emergency C-section because my contractions, my cervix wouldn't dilate. The contractions, each one, was lessening the heartbeat of my son. The doctors decided to go in and get him. Fine. 9.35, he was born. Six pounds, 11 ounces. My godmother was there. Phil was on tour. It was the first day of tour. And Jackson was born the first day of the Def Leppard tour, 2018. When Debbie said she was singing to me, everything was cool. A few hours later, about 12, midnight, one o'clock or something like that in the morning, one of the nurses came in, lifted up my sheet, and I was laying in a pool of blood. She said, okay, they didn't panic. Okay, go in. She had the cesarean. Let's see if we can find it. And that's when everything went haywire. They couldn't find the bleed, and I wouldn't stop. So I was hemorrhaging from the inside. They did four emergency abdominal surgeries in less than 24 hours and I flatlined during two of the surgeries. Mm. When um, Debbie 
uh, Debbie told me, because they told my husband, they, when my husband got there, they said that the chaplain was in the room ready to read me my last rites. And Debbie kicked him out and told him to go away. Um, it was not a story that was like, oh, okay, we found it. It's great. It got worse and worse and worse. I used up the blood supply for my type in the hospital and they had to fly in units from San Diego. I used 17 units of red blood cells, I think, and then like 11 units of white, you know, however that breaks down, but it was 17. And then um, they had, they literally had to put a, I don't know if it was a pan or a bucket or whatever, near me in the bed and put me into a medically induced coma because the doctor said they didn't know what else to do except let the body subside and slow down. When they put me in the coma, that's what allowed that to happen. And they would check the hemorrhaging by seeing how much blood would fill up into the pan. And I understand that on the fourth day, that's when it slowed. Wow. When the body began to reverse itself. And on the fifth day, they took me out of the coma. And that's when I heard, you need to cough. Um, my whole being in that situation feels like just before I got pregnant, I was training. I was in the gym. I was at my best weight. I looked literally body wise. I, I looked like I was 22 years old again in a club in New York city in my little shorts and the bra top right. partying at the, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, um, had really, really put my vegan diet on lock. Like it, everything, you know, I was eating properly and I was basically raw, you mm. know. And what I found is the way that we eat, it's easy for me to go raw or vegan, you know, with some cooked food. I don't eat a lot of cooked food, you know. I still basically kind of keep it raw. I still do a green smoothie, one detox tea, and a shot of tart cherry juice every morning. I know I, I, you know, I have an oatmeal maybe once or twice a week, but I don't really feel the need to do that. So all of that training, it wasn't for the pregnancy. I realized that I was training so that body would be strong enough to fight whatever might happen. That saved my life because the inside of my body was healthy enough to when it decided to switch and reverse gears. Yeah. So pregnancy was fine. Yeah, everything was good. But had I not been healthy, I would not have survived that ordeal of invasion and intrusion by surgical instruments, constant cutting off. I had a C-shaped scar that looked like literally I had been cut because of the moving back and forth from the operating table to the gurney being rushed through. And that situation for me is one that you know, when I think of it now, and I th- that propels me to stay on the path of, you know, I wouldn't not be vegan, you know, because we don't know what else we have to endure. We're dealing with all of this stuff now. Girl, you know, get me started. I'm so glad yeah. I'm right now. I call it the CV hype, you know, so we're dealing with CV hype yeah. and be healthy. Yeah. Because it's not about something not happening. It's about you being able to handle whatever may come. Yeah. That's what a strong body is for. 
handling it because we can't prevent everything yes. but if you can handle it then that in itself can save your life and so that's how in my head i could be wrong i don't know somebody gonna watch this and be like hey she wrong but i only talk from my experience you know what i mean yeah and in my experience i'm living my life to handle it yeah because if I can handle it, then I'm good. That's it. You know, so that, that situation with me having the baby, then I came home. I, I went from NICU or the SICU down to maternity. I was in hospital for like 13 days. That's what I was when wondering. I, how long after you came out of that coma were you, did it take for you to get to the point where you could go home? And was it a, was it a tough 13 days? Yep. Yep. Yes. Yes, Jackie, it was. It was... I was in that bed, helpless. My, so when it took me out of the coma, my left lung collapsed. Oh. When my left lung collapsed, then I had fluid on the lung. So they had to put this device down my throat into my lung to get the fluid out. And girl, it was like Mount Vesuvius. It was all of the bacteria that had built up from the coma. Yeah. So when they put me, you know, and I'm gonna keep it real with you. They had me on my back and they were like, we're gonna do this thing. The doctor told me, he said, you're the best patient I ever had because all you say is, okay. <laughs> because I trusted them and I was blessed that the head of surgery was my OBGYN anyways. So oh. she was calling the parents and she was already dealing with me for nine months. Yeah, she already had a relation, a connection. Right. So she was in there like, this is Helen. We, this is my girl. You know what I mean? Oh, so he would come in and be like, all right, we're going to do this thing. And we, you know, we need you to lay on your back and we're going to, and all the fluid's going to come out. I was like, okay, you know, no problem. Girl, when that fluid came out, if I hadn't turned my head, I would have drowned. I was like, okay, this is like a movie. Like the exorcist. Huh? <laughs> it was like the exorcist. So that came out. And then they were like, okay, now we have to ref you know, we have to inflate your lung. And they were giving me these lung treatments and they put the mask on my face and then the 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 mist would come in and it smelled like vomit and rotten eggs or whatever. It was horrible. They would come in with that mask and I'd be like, whatever you need me to do. I didn't complain. I didn't say, and this is not braggadocio. This is understanding that you didn't even have to be here. Yeah. You got a son. My husband, when he came off tour, he, he told me he cried on the airplane, you know, when they sent him a picture of Jackson. Oh. And then he got into the cab to come to the, air, to the hospital, and the cab took him to the wrong hospital. Oh so then he had to get to the hospital where I was, and he saw how serious it was. He was so wonderful because every day I was in that hospital, he would bring Jackson in his little carrier, Jackson was so little and he would sit next to me with the baby and hold the baby next to me, you know, and then he would stay for a few hours and then he'd leave and he looked so cute and he just, you know, he had the baby in the carrier and he's coming in. And when it was time to go back on tour, he asked me, he said, do you want me to leave? I, I will stay. And I said, babe, you have to go to work. You know, family had surrounded me. I mean, people were coming in where I was so surprised. My neighborhood was there. Yeah. You know, it, it was such a show of affection. You and the village, right? It was the village. I was laying in bed and I felt like if I stood up, everything was going to pop out because I was swollen. I was shaped like the Michelin man. My, my middle had just, you know, swelled up. 
I couldn't walk. I had to learn how to do everything over again. And they thought that I had had a stroke because initially they gave me a piece of paper and a pen to write and I couldn't spell certain words. But that was only because I was coming out of it, but I was determined. I'm a Capricorn. I was like, hold up, I'm gonna write the letter T. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that eventually came about, then I got up, they were walking with me. I, and then I went down to maternity and they're like, are you pumping? Are you pumping? Are you pumping? And I was like, first things first, Take care of this. Don't be all right. <laughs> you know, so the lactation Phil, army is serious in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here, you know, um, but Phil had got the formula. I didn't breastfeed. Phil got the formula, and baby was fine. And we kept him on the farm. Yeah. He was one, you know. But um Phil went back on tour and I came home and I had to I couldn't do any stairs. I had a walker. I, I looked like an 80-year-old woman. You wouldn't even believe it was me. And then um, literally, it was day by day I started getting better because Debbie was here. My friend Fazia was here. Um, Brian Wheat, who is the bass player in the band Tesla, his wife Monique came to the house. And um, my girl, Caitlin, she's married to Vivian, who plays guitar and Def Leppard as well. Caitlin's mom, Michael, was a maternity nurse in Boston for 40 years. So she was here with me. Oh. She would come to the hospital and ask the nurses all the questions I never thought to ask. Yeah. So I had an army, and they stayed in my home for six weeks and took turns sleeping on the couch, mm. taking care of the baby and bringing the baby to, you know, it, yeah. I, it was amazing the way that they rallied around. The band was calling me, crew was calling me, management was checking in, they were telling me what was going on on the road. I, it was absolutely amazing. They were so beautiful, you know, and then my friends, at the, that Brooklyn was in the house, you know. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was wonderful. And, and so I was that. able to concentrate on healing. Right. Which, love around and then three months later I took a picture you never knew I went through anything wow you would have never known I went through anything but all of that stems back to I think if my body was not as healthy as the state that I had put it in you know God willing uh via veganism and vegan sexy cool then my goal was yeah we heal and we get the body back. Yeah. I'm looking at women holding their baby. They got on a bikini and the selfie. Like, I just had a baby. I said, okay, so now I'm going to do that. So <laughs> I just you know, I started, I, 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 I just started, um, my workout was the baby. You right. know, lifting and squatting and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then I was able to get my own little bikini picture. I said, oh, holding the baby. There you go. That's me. Yeah. You know. So you that you felt good. That felt good in a vegan, sexy, uh, triumphant, blessed, you know, sort of way. And then today, yeah. here we are. And all I have to tell is a story and some videos and some recounts from family and friends. But That's I'm, amazing. It's such an incredible story, Helen. Do they know why you were hemorrhaging? Did they ever figure nope. out what that was? Nope. Wow. And then... I remember reading about Serena Williams and then she went through the same thing. Yeah. You know, and she had a, 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 a embolism, you know, uh, I forget the whole word, but yes. And she went through, uh, you know, she had the bleeding and then I said, then it literally two weeks later after finding out Serena, then I see 
on CBS Morning News or something like that. And then they have this whole section dedicated to it. And this young man is talking about his wife, gave her a kiss. She's going in to have their baby. And then she hemorrhaged and she never came out. They couldn't figure it out. And so she died. And so now he's raising the child. And I said, then they're talking about, you know, the mortality rate amongst African-American women, yeah. you know, being sent early. So it's this whole thing of yeah. Um, yeah. lack of knowledge um, and, you know, not knowing the physical state of any of those women, because the woman who went in and the husband said goodbye to his wife, but literally just for a couple of hours, right. um, she was fit. She was fit, like, you know, hiker, you know. Yes. So it's inside the body. We don't know what's going on inside the body and what the body's going to choose to do. So to take the precaution, let food be thy medicine. Yeah. Let's take the precaution because you can't know ahead of time. So if you're kind of, it's like building a fortress, you yeah. know, here there's going to be a war. You hear there's going to be an invasion. It doesn't hurt to stock up on just a couple of pieces of plywood. You know what I mean? So right. be prepared for it if it comes. I love that you said that that way. Helen, I'm so glad that you survived this experience. And I'm so glad that oh, you and Jackson and Phil are, are all thriving. I have to ask you, because you, you, you're a longtime vegan, what is your favorite make-at-home vegan dish? Like if you had, you know, um, you know, Serena Williams and her husband coming over or Jay-Z and Beyonce and you're like, everybody wants yeah. vegan food and you got to cook. What yeah. are you making? Okay. So we, is it breakfast, lunch, or dinner? It's dinner. Dinner. Okay. I thought that you can, are prepared for all three. Okay. 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 So if it's dinner and are they vegan or not? They're all vegan. Vegan. They're all vegan. Okay, so everybody's vegan. So we'd keep it fun because they probably bring the kids. Yeah. Because we'd be like, bring the kids. Yeah. So we can do vegan burritos. And I do probably a vegan burrito with green salsa and uh, spicy quinoa. Mm. Yeah. Uh, spicy quinoa just means quinoa with um, choice chunks of jalapeno and habanero cut up. Mm. Uh, yeah, but um, on tour, I, I used to go out on tour with Phil. We had a small crock pot. And mm -hmm. so what I would do is um, basically in the daytime, because his eating is very controlled, so mm -hmm. I'd make sure he had salad stuff. I'd make sure that, you know, before he went on stage, whatever he was going to eat, that would be prepared. But he'd have a giant salad after the show. I'd make his salad. I'd be simmering the quinoa starting from probably maybe three or four o'clock. So he'd get on the bus and it's just, ah, you know. So he'd have, um, you know, if, we, if it was an off day and we still had the bus in front of the hotel or whatever, so we'd have like the burritos and the quinoa. But at night, I'd make him the salad and include in that maybe field roast uh, sausages, every type of crispy vegetable you can think of. And we use Bragg's amino mm -hmm. and uh, apple cider vinegar. We do a nice mix and it's very nice, very tangy. Yeah, for dinner, we'd have that salad as well. Yeah. And we do sparkling apple cider for drinks. So yeah, so I do, uh, I, do my, I do the Helen burrito joints with the spicy quinoa and um, nice salad. It'd be sweet. They'd be asking for more. That They'd sounds amazing. Now, I have to ask you about your photography because you are a very talented photographer and you had a show in New York last year? I did. I had a show. I had two shows in New York. I had, I had my first. So 
I'm a costume designer, theater and film by trade. I went to SUNY Purchase, upstate New York, and graduated from the Professional Conservatory of Costume Design. And came out in 1996. And because there was a lack of black uh, costume designers, I kind of got scooped up. So I was working like crazy. I ended up being the resident costume designer for the Billie Holiday Theater in Brooklyn for 15 years straight. Wow. And um, during that time at the Billie Holiday, um, I had always been taking pictures from the time I was 15 in high school. I used to walk with a camera. And if I saw a cute boy in the street, I'd be like, can I take your photo? So yeah, I was her. I did that. <laughs> Um, and that gradually just grew into different stuff. So by the time I started working in film, wardrobe supervisor, I'd be, I, I have to take my own continuity pictures. You know, script supervisors are great. You'd be like, all right, let me see the hands and all that stuff. But I trusted myself. So I started taking my own continuity pictures. The Polaroid shots eventually ended up being me taking behind the scenes stills. Mm. So I would always walk with the Polaroid camera. There were always, as you know, interesting moments behind the camera. So I would shoot. That turned into more shooting. And then the guy that I was with before I married my husband was a model. And he was with Wilhelmina and he was beautiful, gorgeous. But he'd be like, hey, can you take these shots of me for, and he was really picky. So that kind of, even though he was a pain in my butt, then it kind of was fine tuning my eye. Yeah. Time I got with Phil, because I was always walking with a camera, I continued that process with him. So I was always shooting Phil, no matter what, at home, you, you name it, you know, and taking video and stuff. And then one day, Phil, uh, someone needed photos of him. I think it was maybe for Nam and, you know, Fender. They were, Jackson was doing a guitar and they said they needed a giant photo of Phil for something. And Phil said, Helen's got shots. And I went, oh. so I sent some shots. And then he would do that every once in a while. I'd be like, Helen can do it. Mm. And so from that, one year, 2014, and I'm just giving you a backstory how it just set yeah. off. 2014, I shot, uh, I was the tour photographer for Def Leppard. So all of their website shots from the tour, I was able to take. That band in itself, that's what you grind your teeth on because they are no joke. They've been in the business a long time and they're able to go, nope, don't like that one. Nope, not that one, not that one. You hear no a couple of times, you go, all right, I got you. Right. And I began to really think about who I was shooting, how I was shooting to the point then it turned into, oh, yes, yes, yes. So Joe said one of the pictures I took of him is over his mother's mantelpiece. It's her favorite shot of her son. Really? That's the biggest compliment that I could possibly That's get. a great compliment. But in terms of shooting, then it began to stray from concert photography to we're traveling. Oh, look at that beautiful mountain. Look at that landscape. Look at this village. So I began to shoot everything. And then that one day I, I got called by a woman named Jody Britt. Um, she uh, worked with uh, someone from Live Nation and created Rock Paper Photo. If you've ever been inside a John Vervedo store and seen the black and white uh, photos, Rock Paper Photo basically had, you know, okayed the rock shots or the, you know, the documentary shots that they have. And Jody is a big part of that because her father is Jim Britt, who was Motown photographer through the 60s mm -hmm. and 70s. Mm -hmm. So they were doing uh, with Mark Weiss in New York an 80s 
uh, exhibit of like all the rock photography. But if you remember, Tipper Gore in the 80s had started the whole, you know, censorship movement on records. Like you can't play this because it says this. And so, you know, it was a big deal. They were doing the, that anti-movement. And so they had all these photos of Def Leppard from the 80s, but they didn't have any ones they really wanted to use now. And so Phil was like, oh, you got shots. So I submitted five photos for that exhibit. We went to New York. The exhibit was huge. It was great. We had a great time. And then Jody said, hey, you want to join our stable? Because at this point, Rock Paper Photo housed all these amazing photographers that did classic shots. Marvin Gaye and the leather jacket with the collar up in the rain. Wow. You know, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. That photo of the poo and they're all asleep under the British flag, you know, on the wall. Um, you know, Chi Modu, you know, he shot Faith and Biggie on the Vibe cover. You remember that? You know what I mean? Like, um, so it was, it was that type of movement. And I said, Jody, I am thrilled to be a part of it, but I can't because I am not ready. I have not done the work that these people there have done. Hit me in a few years. She did. And she had left Rock Paper Photo and started her own uh, Brit Consulting. Uh, and basically hit me and said, are you still shooting photos? I said, yeah. I sent her, this was like 2017. I sent her some shots and she loved them. She took me under her wing and said, right, we've got to have an exhibit. I had my first exhibit in October of 2018 in LA. Mm. Family and friends came out. It was great. And then she said, right, we need New York. I had the next exhibit the day before or the day after, I think it was May 20th. Jackson was born the 21st. Uh And so we put the exhibit into a birthday party for Jackson. And we had the New York exhibit in May. And then uh, I'm honing my skills on the whole exhibit thing. I went out because for the summer, like I travel a little bit and I went to Hawaii and I had went out to, I went to Prague with Phil, you know, and I was shooting now with all of that in mind. So October, 2019, I had another New York exhibit and that exhibit, I think we put like 23 photos up and I sold almost like 15 and that was crazy. So Jody was like, all right, we got something here. (laughs) So now we've moved into the next level of, um, there's a wonderful earth preservation artistic unit called Arcadia Earth. And in New York, they had a six month pop-up. It's literally thousands of square feet of space and they have different artists come in and their pieces depict uh, the earth in its current state, why we need to remember the earth as it should be, and you know what, um, what eating meat is doing to the planet, what um, you know, pollution is doing to the planet, you know, the real I, you know, global warming, how it's affecting the seas, you know, but the artists come in and create their vision or interpretation of that. Yeah. So Jody got in touch with them and they got back in touch with her and they loved my work. And so they are planning an LA launch. Hopefully. Hopefully. And you know. We'll see what happens. But if I can be a part of anything that they're doing, I would love to. So 
you know, who knows? It could be up wow. in the air. It could be yes. It could be no. But I, 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 I'll let you know how it goes. Well, you so, that that photography. Wow, you've come a long way from a from a young lady taking photographs of two boys on, on the streets in Brooklyn, right? <laughs> That's really. <laughs> That's I got to I, I love that. Here. Well, if if I well, when the LA exhibit opens and you're a part of it, let me. If know. I am blessed enough to become a part of it and be I'll chosen, put it out there. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm still in the hope I get chosen factor. So I, I don't even know. It's like an incredible opportunity. You know, yeah. I at this point I've just been pitched, and so I can keep you posted and you know and let you know and and um my I'm being considered as a fine art photographer because you know, everybody has an iPhone, everybody takes amazing photos, everybody can be yeah. an amazing photographer with that shot. My point is in understanding that, not taking away anything that anyone can do, what makes Helen so special, I can do that too. Absolutely. I have nothing to do with what anyone else can do. All I'm doing is what I do. You know, if the forces that be want to come and join, that's totally fine. I am taking pride in just realigning my artistic mind because in California, I didn't come out here to decide that I was going to change my trade. Being in um, IATSE on the East Coast, the unions don't really recognize each other. Mm -hmm. And at this stage in the game, I'm not starting over, you know, in a theater out here to accomplish what I accomplished years ago in, in New York City or and or Baltimore. I left the Kennedy Center being a permanent dresser. I'm not gonna, you know what I mean? Like come out here yeah. and let my way back to the top. So I changed my focus and it seems to be working because I do believe that artistry is from the heart. What you choose to channel it upon or what media you choose yeah. to use doesn't change the fact that you are indeed an artist and so i've channeled my artistry through another medium and this is what's coming out so where can we find your photography i know you have a website right thank you um yeah it's www.helencollinsphotos.com or helencollinsphotography.com I love it. Helen, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you for being on Vegan Sexy Cool and you'll oh. have to come back. And when you're in New York, we got to go to dinner. I got to take oh, you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Um, you know, it's so funny because family and friends are there. So hopefully after everything, just... Um, when we can travel again, right? Yeah, I'll be traveling. And when I get to New York, I'll hit you up and we can definitely meet. That would be wonderful. Yeah, and I have to tell you, I have always admired you. I always watched you. I and I remember I would just be like, her hair is so fun. <laughs> you did always everything about you, you know, your demeanor Thanks. and you know, being in such uh I'll say it, you know, male dominated industries. Yeah. We have to make pay. We do. And right? when you are able to do so, you know as gracefully as you have done it, you know, I applaud you. Well, thank I you. Absolutely. I am glad that you are here, still here. Yeah, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for taking the time. Go be with Jackson. <laughs> I know he's probably right around the corner. <laughs> he, 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 actually, I think he's asleep. He, you know, he's, if Elmo isn't blasting, 
and then he's he's definitely he's definitely good nap. Thank you, yeah. Well, that does it for this episode of the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast. Thank you for listening, and thank you to my guest Helen for sharing her inspiring story. If you have not already, please subscribe to this podcast and do me a favor, send a link to a friend and please follow Vegan Sexy Cool on all social media platforms uh, for some great information on being vegan, some great inspiration as well. And then also check out my website, vegansexycool.com. We're about to go into revamping the website. So soon we'll have a really great new look, but you can follow my journey and get some great information on vegansexycool.com. So go there and be sure and sign up for the newsletter. Thanks again, everybody. And until next time, I'm Jackie Reed, wishing you wellness.